Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Please share this broadcast with your friends. I'm going to tell you that right up front. I might even mention it again. You don't know. This is Sundays with Dr. Sean. Should Christians fight terrorism or should we just hug? Tonight's message is going to be very hard-hitting. Should Christians fight terrorism or should we hug? So which part do you think is the hard-hitting part? I think it's the hug. I'm a big guy and I hug hard. Have you ever wondered as a person of faith, what would Christ do? What should Christians think and know about the immigration jihad going on in America even as you read this? Europe is being taken over right now by an invited Muslim invasion. America is doing the same foolhardy and deadly thing even now. The Hussein Obama administration is acting more like treasonous enemies of America than the leadership of this country. But what should Christian what should the Christian think about the refugee crisis for the radio folks air quotes. Hello to my buddy Rick and my buddy David who are listening right now down in the great state of Texas. Well, Lord knows where they are. They travel all over, too. And uh, also, hello to Chris Ann. We're glad she told her vehicle. Chris Ann Hall had a uh, very serious car accident, but miraculously, uh, the vehicle was completely totaled, but she is okay except for being sore. So apparently, her being here and being around you, or you totaled your vehicle and you're okay, that rubbed off on her. So we're just uh, thankful that you guys are all right. So what should the Christian do about the refugee crisis being foisted upon the innocent American people even today? Learn the truth right here and right now. So if you're in Radio Land, you're on your PC, you're not driving, tell your friends. If you have your phone right there, text them the link. If you need the link, go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. The link is right there. Or go to blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor. Or go to the ninjapastor.com and it'll be right there. So... We start off with some prayer requests. We're going to pray at the end once the broadcast ends. We're going to pray that's what you're missing. You're not only missing great prayer and great music, but you're missing incredible food once again. Don't say I didn't tell you. (laughs) We start off with a prayer request for my uh, son, Doyle's two Liberty University uh, friends, uh, both seriously injured in a car crash this weekend, you know, of course, going home for Thanksgiving break. Uh, they had surgery, and I'm told they're going to be okay, but as a parent, I know the level of worry that we feel over our children. We also continue to pray for my friend Eric. I won't say his last name. He's shy. Great, great brother of mine uh, since kindergarten. 
we've gone to school. We went to school together from kindergarten on. Still friends. Great, great guy. My buddy Chris Cahalan, fighting pancreatic cancer. Uh, he's going through, I think, his ne- his last or next to last round of chemotherapy. His numbers are doing so well. They believe they're going to be able to do the Whipple procedure. And Google, if you're at home or you folks here when you leave, Google the Whipple procedure. You want to talk about a major, major surgery. It is a big deal. But we believe it's going to save his life. Uh, we also want to pray for our Kehala brother. I don't see here tonight, Don. We also want to pray for our sister, Angie. Uh, all fighting cancer. We pray for Jill's mom and for our brother in the fight overseas. We won't say his name, but he knows who he is, and we love him, and we miss him. We're counting the days. As I prepared for tonight's message and thought through where we are as a country and as a people after the events in Paris and the reactions to those events, as they unfolded, my mind kind of came into action. I came to some realizations. These realizations are going to coalesce into our next series, which will focus on how the Christian prepares for what is to come. That's our next series. I'm going to be working a lot on that on the Monday show, which is Monday, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, same station. So if if you landed on blogtalkradio.com backslash the Ninja Pastor, follow or subscribe. You'll get notifications of all the different shows that we do. So we're going to do, I've just decided, last week after we had a conversation, I just decided, you know what, let's just go ahead and do that. But there's something we have to do first. But, it's, but, but I want to talk about what the Christian prepares for, how to prepare for what is to come. The Paris attacks were a watershed for many. The president of France, for one, and also for many others, except for Barack Hussein Obama, the one guy who this really should have had an impact upon, but apparently it has not. The truth of who we're at war with is clear. And the truth of who will fight this evil and will not is also clear. I want to talk about specifics for preparation, and I also want to spend some time talking about the mindset and the philosophy of necessary preparation. As an introduction, I want to focus this week on an article in response to the Paris attacks and also on a personal interaction that I had with a young and earnest Christian woman slash student on the Internet struggling with the call to love as the primary role of the Christian. Before that, I want to share some 61-year-old wisdom from one of my great Master's Divinity School professors. Hello to uh, Dr. David Fry, or David Dennis Fry and Dr. Frazier and Dr. Moen. But one of my great Master's Divinity School professors, internationally known Oxford Ph.D., Skip Moen. This is, can be found on um, a word a day or at godstable.com. Uh, you can subscribe to that. You donate, and, uh, and you become part of this really cool community of which I'm a part of. What the World Comes To by Dr. Skip Moen. I think this statement from Abraham Heschel, written 61 years ago, is perhaps the most accurate assessment of the state of our world today. The conscience of the world was destroyed by those who were wont to blame others rather than themselves. Let us remember, we revered the instincts but distrusted the prophets. We labored to perfect engines and let our inner life go to wreck. We ridiculed superstition until we lost the ability to believe. We have helped to extinguish the light of our fa- the light our fathers 
had kindled. We have bartered holiness for convenience, loyalty for success, love for power, wisdom for information, tradition for fashion. There can be no nature without spirit, no world without the Torah, no brotherhood without a father, no humanity without attachment to God. God will return to us when we shall be willing to let him in, into our banks and our factories, into our congress and clubs, into our courts and investigating committees, into our homes and our theaters. For God is everywhere and nowhere, the father of all men or no man, concerned with everything or nothing. Only in his presence shall we learn that the glory of man is not in his will to power, but in his power of compassion. Man reflects either the image of his presence of that or of that of a beast. That's from Abraham Heschel's book, great great book, and Dr. Moen, Man's Quest for God. Now, for nothing, I wrote a little book called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, which speaks in depth to this very concept. It is available on my website, which is, of course, drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com or Amazon. Does it seem like I have a lot to say tonight? First, I want to talk about the dancing with the devil that happened in Paris. And it won't likely be what you think I'm going to talk about. Now, I want to let you know that this is from an incredible article by Jerry Ungurian. And it's in Antichrist magazine. It was on November 17th. I'm going to read you this article. I'm going to refer to a photograph that, if you're curious about the photograph, go to Facebook, God and Country Radio, uh, Facebook.com, God and Country Radio, or Shawn Michael Greener. Whichever one you can follow, uh, follow me either one. Click on like. You'll see the picture on the announcement of the show. You'll see what I'm talking about. Before you read this article, please understand that I wept as I watched the horror unfold in Paris. I am praying for all who lost family members. I am also praying for those who are in hospitals that they will recover. This article is written in hopes that the reader of it will understand that evil has gripped our world. God is grieved and is waiting for people to turn to him to be saved. Time is short. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so, until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason... God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You can find that in whatever translation of the Bible that you, uh, you have there, Second Thessalonians 2, uh, 5 through 12. I want to take you back to a time when the things in this world were vastly different than they are today. It was certainly not a perfect time. It is never perfect on this earth because of sin. 
But it was a time when people's hearts were not as hardened. Many people attended church. We know that attending church does not mean that all those people were born again. But at least there was an effort to draw closer to God. Those who delved into witchcraft were stigmatized and avoided by most of society. But things have changed so rapidly. Those of us who love the Lord Jesus are stigmatized as being extreme, not normal, and a detriment to society. We are being watched by our own government and labeled as extremists and anti-government radicals. What has become the norm? Sadly, Hollywood has set the standard of normalcy, and it is appalling. It is now culturally acceptable to outwardly express love for the devil. We see so many celebrities making the sign of the horns of the devil with their hands. Impressional young people are drawn into this. I think that many of them don't actually realize what they're doing. Yet they mimic what they see. Good has become evil, and evil good. Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Matthew 24.12 Listen, in Paris, the world was shocked at the horror of that night in Paris when almost a hundred young people, more than a hundred young people, were gunned down by Islamic terrorists at the Bataclan Concert Hall in Paris. The Eagles of Death metal band were performing that night. The song which had begun right when the terrorists began their merciless killing spree was called Kiss the Devil. One of the crowd's favorite songs by the rock band. Here are the lyrics. I'm not making this up. You can look it up on their website. Who'll love the devil? Who'll sing his song? Who will love the devil and his song? I'll love the devil. I'll sing his song. I will love the devil and his song. Who will love the devil? Who will kiss his tongue? Who will kiss the devil on his tongue? I'll love the devil. I'll kiss his tongue. I will kiss the devil on his tongue. Who will love the devil? Who will sing his song? I will love the devil and his song. First of all, pretty crappy songwriting if you ask me. Let's be honest. There's a picture on uh, on Facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio and also on my regular page. You can look at it there. I want you to see that. This is moments before, literally moments before. And you'll notice when you look at it, many of the young people were proudly holding up the sign of the devil with their hands. They danced with the devil that night, laughing and showing solidarity with evil. And then pure evil entered the hall and shot them one by one. There were most likely very few, if any, Christians in the Bataclan that night. So dancing with the devil brought these young people face to face with Satan. We talk about strong delusion. And with all deceivableness of the unrighteousness in them that perish, because they, re, they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they, sh, they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That could be found in Second Thessalonians 10 through 12. 
The young people who perished that night in Paris believed not the truth. They did not receive the love of the truth sent by God that they might be saved. So God sent them strong delusion so that they would believe the lie of Satan. And so they did. And so they died. So horrifically. I am sure that Jesus wept over those lost ones. God wants none to perish. He wants none to perish. He sent his precious son, Jesus Christ, to pay the sin debt of all who dwell on the earth. God wants people to be reconciled to him. And the death and resurrection of Jesus made that possible. But the only thing he asks is that we repent and believe. Those who perished in the concert hall in Paris will never get that chance. The devil is pleased, so pleased. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's John 3:16 and 17. Now, that's an excellent article written by Jerry. Jerry is a phenomenal writer. Now on to my conversation with this delightful, well-educated Christian young woman. who I've, I've known her since she was very young. Wonderful, wonderful young lady. For those who say Islam and Christianity are not that different, and that we should just love on the refugees, air quotes, even if it means that they kill us. Many liberal Christians believe this. What I'm about to tell you, many liberal Christians believe this. I had an interesting exchange with one of my young Facebook friends I just told you about, and I'm going to call this exchange Suicide by Scripture. She felt disturbed by what she felt were my murder-happy, unchristian approach for tactics as it relates to the immigration jihad the left is treasonously forcing upon America today. Here's, here she is. And you can tell, as I, as I read, she's extremely articulate. She's very smart. She's very well-educated. She's very well-read in the Bible. She has a wonderful heart. Christ tells us to be his hands and feet. He wants us to live in his image. I somehow highly doubt that Christ would be condoning murder and promoting hatred. I am truly confused and extremely upset by the Christian response to the idea of aiding those which have been oppressed, homeless, victims of rape, and suffered abuse. I really would like to know how you justify your faith in the one true God while spreading these murder-happy posts. He says that above all else we should have love. He says to house the homeless, feed the hungry. He says those who do these things are the righteous and that they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. These are things that God commands all of us in his word. And you would choose your own comfortability of being safe in this country over what our Creator calls us to do? How are we to be disciples for others while displaying the opposite of who Christ is? As you might imagine, as you might think, I had a few things to say. This is what I responded. This is how I responded. How do you do what you propose that which you believe God says in response to these Syrian refugees? We're going to hear more about who these people really are, if you are dead. Because that is the goal of all Islamic adherents, to kill all infidels. That includes you. If you feel so compelled, how many have you 
taken in? How many will you house? How many will you feed? Do you not realize this is a Trojan horse for the terrorists, for those naive and inexperienced Christian Americans who constantly, through their guilt and misinterpretation of Scripture, make themselves easy prey? I am an internationally regarded expert on Islam, their writings and edicts and culture. How much experience do you have with Syria, with Syrian Muslims, with the Syrian Muslim culture? I am further a highly regarded Bible scholar holding, holding master's and doctorate degrees in theology. My specialty is Hebrew culture and scriptural context. Have you read the Old Testament? Having love does not preclude you from dealing appropriately with your sworn enemy. Did Israel invite their enemies in for dinner, or did they, by command of God, kill them? Here's a suggestion. There are thousands of innocent, displaced, and victimized Jewish Israeli citizens victimized by Islamic Jihad. How many of those have you invited into your home? Those Israeli innocents aren't raised to hate us and sworn by their Surah 9 and their Quran to rape you and stone you to death. First chance they get. No, that's not them. You're welcome to still pray for the Syrians that are purported refugees. To support them, by the way, radio audience, you can't see, every time I say refugees, just please in your mind do the air quotes, two-handed air quotes, unless you're driving, just do one if you're driving. It's automatic. You're welcome to still pray for the Syrians that are purported refugees. To support them with your money, have you noticed that adjacent to Syria is a Muslim country with accommodations in place in their Muslim country to house these refugees, and yet they refuse because of their confidence that they are wolves in sheep's clothing? In other words, they are terrorists. Hashtag just ask Paris. Christians also have a biblical mandate to protect the innocent. Might I interject? Romans 13, 3 through 6. This is a complete Jewish Bible. For rulers are no terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you like to be unafraid of the person in authority? Then simply do what is good, and you will win his approval. For he is God's servant, there for your benefit. But if you do what is wrong, that he holds the power of the sword. Or you do what is wrong, be afraid, because it is not for nothing that he holds the power of the sword. For he is God's servant. There is an avenger to punish wrongdoers. Another reason to pay besides fear of punishment is for the sake of conscience. This is why you pay taxes for the authorities or God's public officials constantly attending to these duties. Love is more than simply doing what the politically, doing what the politically correct and politically expedient thing seems to be. Love your neighbor as yourself? Did you know that Hebrew distinguishes neighbor in that passage? The very words of Yeshua. Neighbor and Hebrew are the people in your sphere, to the left of your home and to the right. Ask yourself, why aren't these 18 to 34-year-old male refugees staying and fighting for their country? Why have they abandoned their own women and children? Hashtag, just ask Paris. Neighbors who do wrong within the community, as that passage I just read to you, uh, are to be severely punished by order and command of God. Islam, all of Islam, is at enmity with God. Read Surah 9. It's free on the Internet. 
I'm going to save you all some time from looking it up. I'm going to read it for you. Freedom from obligation is proclaimed from Allah and his messenger toward those of the idolaters with whom ye made a treaty. Allah is free from obligation to the idolaters, and so is his messenger. Allah and Muhammad are not bound by treaties made with idolaters, except for those who don't, do not oppose or oppose Allah or Muhammad. You cannot escape Allah. Allah will confound the disbelievers. Give tidings, O Muhammad, of a painful doom to those who disbelieve. This is called the verse of the sword. Slay the idolaters wherever you find them. Is each person to be free to believe as he or she wishes? I wonder. Travel freely in the land four months and know that ye cannot escape Allah and that Allah will confound the disbelievers. And a proclamation from Allah and his messengers to all men on the day of the greater pilgrimage that Allah is free from obligation to the idolaters and so is his messenger. So if you repent, it is better. It will be better for you. But if you are averse, then know that you cannot escape Allah. Give tidings, O Muhammad, of a painful doom to those who disbelieve, excepting those of the idolaters whom ye, Muslims, have a treaty in, who have since abated nothing of your right, nor have supported anyone against you. As for these, fulfill their treaty to them till their term. Lo, Allah loveth those who keepeth their duty unto him. Then when the sacred months have passed, slay the idolaters wherever you find them, and take them captive and besiege them, and prepare for them each ambush. But if they repent and establish worship and pay the poor due, then leave their way free. Lo, Allah is forgiving, merciful. A little conundrum there, isn't it? A little contradictory. And if any one of the idolaters seeketh thy protection, O Muhammad, then protect him so that he may hear the word of Allah and afterward convey him to his place of safety. That is because they are folk. They are folk who know not. Afterward, convey him to a place of safety. Those who submit and convert to Islam will be treated well. Those who do not submit will be killed. I just read it in their own thing. I just want to be clear on this. Yes, sir. It's the last one. Surah 9 is the last one, and it supersedes all of the nice, peaceful stuff. Not a whole lot of nice, peaceful stuff, but there was some nice, peaceful stuff, some flowery poetry that was uh, in the Quran. But in Muslim tradition, the last thing written supersedes and overrides everything else. That is why it is so important. Thank you, Jerry. How can there be a treaty with Allah and with his messenger for the idolaters? Save them who you made a treaty at the inviolable place of worship. So long as they are true to you, be true to them. Lo, Allah loveth those who keep their duty. Now, I didn't put that whole Surah 9. She's well-educated, and so I figured she knows the internets and she can look it up, and it's free. It won't cost her a penny, just like I just did. So here's her response. I am not dead, nor do I think it stands to reason that aiding a refugee will absolutely result in death. 784,395 refugees taken in by the United States since 9-11, three have been arrested on terrorism charges. Um, let me just stop here. Do you smell the, year, the UN being quoted here? Do you smell that? I smell UN. I smell UN. Okay. You'll hear more about that in a minute. There's only been three out of 784,395 refugees taken in by the United States since 9-11. Three have been arrested on terrorism charges. Yes, there is a possibility that I could be harmed, but it is not likely, and I do not believe that my life is more important than love and compassion. Secondly, just because someone is taught a certain ideology, it does not mean they will act on it. 
people are capable of and quite often make their own decisions. Just because someone is taught a violent religion, it does not make them a violent person. Remember what Hillary Clinton said. Hillary Clinton said Islam is not responsible for terrorism. Back to this young lady there. There is individual choice, and I do not have the kind of resources necessary to leave this country to offer aid elsewhere. I am counting on the refugees seeking safety here in the U.S. I fully plan to be involved in assisting refugees. You suggest that I am naive and an, I am a naive and an inexperienced Christian, as also indicated by your display of credentials, instead of actually trying to back up your actions with Scripture. You'll hear more about that later. Clearly, you are dismissing me and do not care about what I have to say. But because of 1 Timothy, she's a very good writer, though. You've got you to gotta hand it to this girl. Her heart is kind of in the right place. But because of 1 Timothy 4.12, I will finish my response. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and purity. She knows her scripture. It's inaccurately applied, but that's a different story. You suggest that my thoughts are based on guilt and misinterpretation of the word. I assure you this is not the case. I am basing my thoughts on Scripture. I am sorry you feel that I'm misinterpreting the word by referencing, referencing Scriptures and their unambiguous meanings. See 1 Peter 4.8, Colossians 3.12-14, Matthew 20.28, 20, Galatians 5.13-14, Matthew 5.16, Luke 6.27-31, Proverbs 14.21, 1 John 3.17-18, Matthew 28.19. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourself, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish the others would do to you, so do also to them. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Man, this sin. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in needs, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Trojan horse or not, we have a calling. This is still this young lady, very good writer. I have read the Old Testament. Yes, there was bloodshed, but the Bible, yes, the Bible says it was under God's instruction. I'm not denying this. I am pointing out, however, that Christ said this, Matthew 25, 41 through 46. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was stranger. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me, and I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. To answer your question, this is back to her. To answer your question, I spend a lot of time assisting the homeless, those in need, every day at work. I help connect those in need with housing, food, cash, assistance. (coughs) Did you catch that? Every day at work, I help connect those in need with housing, food, cash assistance. Connect. If I carried a billfold, I would say carry. She helps connect them to your wallet. Just saying. In my life outside of work, I have volunteered countless hours, which I know is true. I know this young lady. She's a great person. Volunteered countless hours of service and have given up my own resources to aid the homeless and those in need. I do help out. I also already work with people that are perceived as dangerous. And, yes, I have worked with murderers. I find that by assisting this population and by loving them, they are given the opportunity to show love also and to strive for change and to better themselves. Syrians are no different. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, as you might imagine. Reaching out and loving them can have just as much of an impact. I take issue with the severe sphere comment about neighbors. According to the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke 10, 25-37, a neighbor is not about geographical location. Lastly, I'm sorry if my comments offend or upset you. That was not my intention. I merely have been and still am confused by the outright hatred I am seeing and was hoping for clarification. As I see no clarification, and as you have dismissed my references to Scripture, I believe we have arrived at an impasse. And as such, I will leave you to your beliefs, and I will hold to mine. <sighs> Boy, that was well written, though, right? Right? She could be in the inner city. I, she wrote really well, i got to tell you. She's a smart, smart girl. Very, very sweet human being. Well, here's my response, if you wanted to know. I don't know if you do. I use the term Trojan horse, so let's be sure to talk in an educated manner about Trojan horses. I'm going to this. I'm going to skip off of my response here because there's something I want you to know. Dr. Monica Crowley, who in here has ever heard of Monica Crowley? Dr. Monica Crowley is one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. She wrote a great piece regarding the refugee crisis. The refugee crisis. By the way, you guys know that her sister also very. They look like twins. Her sister is married to Alan Combs. You believe that? She says Thanksgivings are quite lively. So she wrote a great article uh, on November 18th. The refugee crisis is jihad by another name. It's Islamic conquest, conquest through migration. By the way, uh, immigration jihad, um, uh, Stackelback, Eric Stackelback was on my show, my Monday show. you got to get, man, he lays it out in that book. It's, we immediately hit it off because he and I are thinking on the same page. Anyway, doc, Dr. Crowley, immediately following the Islamic State terror attacks in Paris that killed and wounded hundreds of people, French President Francois Hollande, how was that good, right? Rightly declared them acts of war, deserving a merciless response. The latest act of violent jihad, however, stems directly from another form of jihad, one that has been underway in Europe for decades, but has ramped up dramatically over the past year. It's called hijrah. Hijrah is a core part of jihad, going back to the Prophet Muhammad that involves 
Islamic conquest through migration. The, the objective is to overwhelm non-Muslim territories with Muslim populations until they achieve domination through sheer numbers. You guys have heard this on my show. Those of you who listen to the Monday show, just last week, the week before, and the week before that, I talked about this, immigration jihad. I gave you the percentages of what they're striving for. Folks, this is not an accident. I, I'm jumping ahead. Back to this excellent letter. Excellent article. The objective is to overwhelm non-Muslim territories with Muslim populations until they achieve domination through sheer numbers. No weapons necessary until they gain enough control. At least one of the Paris jihadis originated in Syria and registered as a refugee through Greece. This is less a refugee crisis and more an occupation. Several weeks ago, I traveled through Central Europe and witnessed firsthand this Islamic tsunami. Across Austria and Germany, I saw tens of thousands of people pouring in with few constraints on their whereabouts and behavior. It was clear that it was only a matter of time before chaos turned far more convulsive and violent. Let's be clear. Some of them may be fleeing war and persecution, but most are not, young lady on Facebook. In fact, only about 10% of the new arrivals are actually from Syria. The other 90% are from elsewhere in the Middle East. North Africa, and countries like Pakistan and Indonesia who are using the European Union's open doors, open borders policy to reach the West for social welfare and the longer-term goal of spreading Islam. They stopped being refugees when they failed to register for asylum in the first safe country in which they arrived. But the EU refuses to enforce its own borders and laws on asylum. Sound familiar? Because most of the EU member states have also laid down the welcome mat. Thousands continue to pour in daily. In Germany alone, an estimated 1.5 Muslims are expected. If the EU were serious about taking in refugees, it would have followed Australia's example of processing all refugees offshore. Those who qualify as actual refugees are then brought back onshore to be further processed. All others are sent back to their countries. Of origin, but the EU is apparently intent on committing continental suicide, largely because of the misguided World War II guilt concerning displaced persons and a desire to replenish a declining workforce. It will take all comers, regardless of who they are, why they are coming to Europe, and what they intend to do once they're here. In Vienna, I visited the main train station and refugee camp through which the majority are coming into Central Europe. Most were en route to Germany whose chancellor, Angela Merkel, has thrown open the doors to them. The place was crawling with police. A few volunteers told me that security was a serious issue. Rape, assault, child abuse, theft, murder. So the government had increased the police and military presence. Contrary to the narrative that most of the refugees are families escaping the march of ISIS, most are, in fact, young men. I did see some women and children, but they were the distinct minority. In fact, 80% of the refugees are men. This is, by the way, contradicted by the now massive fundraising force that is called the UN. Did you know that? The UN. You can go to the UNHCR and you can look up their numbers, which are an absolute farce. But you can also donate to them, and they get hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. In fact, 80% of the refugees are men. Many of them say that once they get asylum, they will take advantage of the EU policy 
and bring in the rest of their families. Perhaps they will. Perhaps they won't. Perhaps it depends on what they intend to do once settled. Prior to the Paris attacks, ISIS had claimed that it had several thousand fighters in Central Europe. They did not operate in a vacuum. There is also growing Al-Qaeda, Iranian loyal militia, and Muslim Brotherhood presence. Reports of Sharia enclaves are on the rise. At the Vienna train station, we approached two women sitting behind a sign marked Lawyer. I should have done air quotes for that, too. And asked politely what services were provided. One of them snapped, legal. When we asked what percentage of the refugees were Muslims versus Christians, she replied angrily, does that make a difference? We were told that many Muslims turned away food provided by the International Red Cross because it was stamped with a Christian cross. We were also told that many of the men carry weapons, knives specifically, which they often use to threaten those who are trying to help them. Many are increasingly using tactics such as hunger strikes, lawsuits, and threats of violence to force German authorities to meet their ever-growing list of demands for free health care to their own single-family homes while laughing at the demands for assimilation. Even before the Paris attacks, the Muslim blood had prompted a backlash with massive protests and opposition parties gaining across Europe. After the attacks, France and several other countries imposed strict border controls. Yet despite the latest round of terror and the rising national security risk, the invasion continues unabated. Meanwhile, its waves are crashing upon our own shores. The Obama administration has announced that the United States will accept 200,000 refugees, more to come, and all eligible for full social welfare benefits. This dovetails with the existing, the existing refugee resettlement program, which the administration has used to bring in tens of thousands of Muslims already, often settling them in red or purple states. Not a coincidence. Europe is quickly reaching the point of no return, after which its transformation will be irrevocable. We have more time to prevent such a transformation here, but that time may be shorter than we think. The Islamic Trojan horse looks into America. Will we let it in? That's the end of the article. Excellent article by Monica Crowley. Dr. Crowley is extremely intelligent. Very well connected. She's extraordinarily well traveled, and her eyes are open when she goes places. I believe everything that she said. Not for nothing, but I have lots of friends all over the world who report to me on a daily basis to let me know what's happening in those places, and this matches exactly. Folks, while we have American combat veterans without a home, 255 to 265 in Newcastle County, Delaware alone, without a home, Veterans, American combat veterans out of home, without the means to care for themselves, while it's happening, Hussein Obama is forcing outwardly and covertly upon American citizens a Trojan horse for ultimate destruction. So then I responded to the young lady on Facebook. You've been quite clear and articulate in your response. As it seems to you that quoting the scriptures you've quoted, context notwithstanding, you are hurtling headlong into territory that is unsustainable. They are enemies of God, not forlorn refugees. If this was your wish and your naivete only endangered your life, well, that would be a more acceptable risk than to endanger our entire country. By the way, you quoted a U.N. figure. I told you it would come up again. 
Were you aware that the UN's figures are most often wildly inaccurate and always skewed to their agenda? Ask yourself why their bordering Arab countries will not take them. Then ask them. Finally, you didn't offend me. You're passionate about what you believe. Passion is good. Your ideology sounds good and godly. It feels better than to identify refugees. I'm talking about as not enemies of God and of mankind, but those to be loved and reach out to, like the hands and feet of God. Feelings lie. You highlighted that I quoted no scripture in refuting your belief. That would be pointless, as you already believe, context notwithstanding, that the verses you quote mean what they mean to you. No amount of scripture I'd quote would convince you that a suicide for Christ isn't a more noble and higher cause than that of preserving the gift of liberty and freedom that God himself granted us. I'm not surprised you do loving and kind work. That is your heart. You've always had a lovely heart. I, however, am a sheepdog, and the wolves are coming, and they are coming in refugees' clothing. It's my call to protect the homeland against those sworn to kill our people. My hope is that the American body, as the American body count begins to rise to horrific numbers, that if you are still alive, that you will take that kind heart and minister to those who lost their innocent family member in Islamic Jihad, that these same people already promised they would do. These same refugees who danced and cheered in their streets on 9-11. Let me say this. This young lady is sweet, highly intelligent. She's a fervent believer in Christ. Clearly she studies the scriptures. She believes very firmly what she knows of Christ. And I'm going to tell you now, I hold her in highest esteem. However, I want you to know that I shared this thread of conversation with you because it helps to illustrate the liberal left impact and influence upon the church. I talk about this in my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, available on Amazon.com, TheNinjaPastor.com, wherever. Now I want to call out the liberal left in a little bit of time we have left. I want to call out the liberal left in the churches all across America whose pastors claim Islam and Christianity are very similar and that we worship the same God. No, no, Islam is not similar to Christianity. No, no, we do not worship the same God. O people of the book, commit no excesses in your religion, nor say of Allah aught but the truth. Christ Jesus is the son of Mary was no more than a messenger of Allah and his word, which he bestowed on Mary and a spirit proceeding from him. So believe in Allah and its messengers. Say not Trinity, desist. It will be better for you, for Allah is one Allah. Glory be to him. Far exalted is he above having a son. To him belong all things in the heaven and on earth, and enough is Allah and as, and as a disposer of affairs. This is Yusuf Ali uh, 4.171. Here's another one, just for fun, uh, in 5575. Christ, the son of Mary, has no more a messenger. was no more a messenger. Many were the messengers that passed before him. His mother was a woman of truth. They had both eaten their daily food. See how Allah doth make his signs clear to them? Yet see in, the ways, in what ways they are deluded away from the truth. This refers to Jesus as uh, is God in the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14. Now let's go back to the book of darkness. This is denying the crucifixion. That they said in boast, we killed Christ Jesus, the Son of Mary, the messenger of Allah, but they killed him not, nor crucified him, but so it was made to appear to them. And those who differ therein are full of doubts with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow, for of a surety they killed him not. That's in Surah 4, 157. Here's what the Bible, the book of life, tells about the crucifixion. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a, t- wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Greek, and in Latin. This is John 19:17 through 20. This is the book of life. After this, Jesus, knowing all things, were now accomplished, and the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine. They put it on a hyssop, and they put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. This is found in John 19, 28 through 30. Now, here's what their book says. You were cursed if you say Jesus is God's son. The Jews call Uzer a son of Allah, and the Christians call Christ the son of Allah. That is a saying from their mouth. In this, they but imitate what the unbelievers of old used to say, Allah's curse be upon them, how they are deluded away from the truth. That's in 930 of their book. Here's another. Such was Jesus, the son of Mary. It is a statement of truth about which they vainly dispute. It is not befitting to the majesty of Allah that he should beget a son. Glory be to him. When he determines a matter, he only says to it, be, and it is. There's Surah 1934. Oh, it's, it's a part of it's another part of a verse, a verse, a surah. Jesus, the Son of God in the Bible. John 5.25 reads this way. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when, a, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. John 10.36, do you say of him, who the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. John 11:4. when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Mark 14:61 through 62, but he kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest said to him, asked him, saying to him, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power, and coming with the clouds of heaven. Believers, pay attention. Satan is roaming about in this world, deceiving and confusing people. The word of God reigns supreme in the lives of Christians. Always use Scripture correctly. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Thessalonians, I want to encourage you to read that at home. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7-17. through 2 Thessalonians 2, 7-17. The young Christian I spoke with was struggling with the idea of how I could condone 
or even encourage violence. Killing with a Christian mindset, a biblical outlook, as she called it, she coined the phrase, I guess, murder happy. The founding of the United States of America illustrates this point profoundly. America is the first and only nation founded specifically on Christian, Judeo-Christian values and with the specific purpose of creating a nation that would allow men to practice their religion, Christianity, freely. In order to do this, men had to fight and men had to die. The United States has been blessed beyond measure by God and has been a blessing to this whole world, inarguably. This country, the United States of America, fights oppressors, gives food to the hungry, medicine to the sick, schools to the poor, protects the right of women and children globally. Throughout all time, the good have had to fight the evil. Fight with weapons and bloodshed. God blessed battles against our enemies. God knows that Satan has control down here, and the natural course is for evil to reign if left unchecked. Not everyone is called to do this. As Paul wrote regarding our gifts and our calling, some of us are hands and some of us are feet. The hands should not denigrate the feet, nor should they try to be them. Love your neighbor in the way that you are called to love them. But your neighbor, your neighbor needs to be kept safe. Your neighbor can't be Jesus' hands if they have their head chopped off or are living under such tyranny and oppression that they are merely slaves. God doesn't call all of us to fight, but he does hold all of us responsible to fight evil. We are not to judge others, but we are called to discernment. I think it's also significant to note that as our commitment to God as a nation has waned, so also has our ability as a nation to be a protector and to be successful and to be prosperous. It's hugely instructional to look at the situation we're in right now and to make the correlation with the godless tyrant running our nation and to look at the anti-biblical laws and policies he is even now putting into place. Turn to Jesus. Do it now. No one is promised another day, not another minute. The razor's edge of life and death grows ever thinner every moment of every day. In the upcoming broadcast, I'm going to tell you very specifically what you and your family should and could do to help you prepare appropriately for the immigration jihad and the Christian and Jewish blood in the streets the adherents of Islam consistently promise and deliver. Listen, if you favor what I do in my ministry and what we do here, and you want to help, just visit ninjapastor.com, theninjapastor.com. Click on the donate button. Every dime goes back into the ministry so that we can keep doing what we do for the glory of God. Listen, there's a point to be made here, and I, and I want it to be very, very clear. I don't want anyone to miss what I'm saying, the point that I'm making. I don't want you to feel as though I am making fun of this young woman. In fact, quite the opposite. I was very impressed, very, very, very impressed with how intelligent, uh, which I'm not surprised, by the way. I'm not at all surprised how intelligent she was, how, how well she cross-referenced things. And, you know, it, it, was, it was wildly and accurately applied as far as culturally and the context of what it was being said. But we don't think that way, right? Nowadays, we're taught to think globally. We're taught to think more in 
how it feels rather than how it is. But here's the facts, folks. We have to know this and we have to understand this. That, And I don't want to crush this young lady's heart. I don't suspect I ever could. She's kind of bullheaded. Uh, she got that honest. She's got great parents. Uh, she comes from a great family. She's a great person. But I'm telling you, she is greatly wrong. Because, you see, here's the thing that has been done in this country. We've changed the meaning of words. We've co-opted the vernacular. We've changed the meaning of things. You look at Charlie Sheen now coming out, and he may have infected as many as 200 women, even after he knew he was HIV positive. Here's the thing, folks. That guy will get on uh, television, and he'll be interviewed left, right, and center. He'll be held up as, oh, that poor guy, we're pulling for him. Yeah, it's wrong. And if he did, in fact, have sex with all those women and men and didn't, you didn't know that? Yeah, he paid $30,000 for several each for several porn stars to come to his house and have sex with him. And he also paid men and he also paid transgenders, just so you know. They call good evil and evil good. Folks, we can look to all these people coming ashore, and we can say we need to do something. Isn't that the same thing we hear when some crazy left-wing anarchist or Democrat decide who on, on uh, uh, psychotropic drugs decides to go off the wagon and shoot up a place? Got to do something. It's for the children. It's never really about that, is it? It's interesting to me, a politician in the United States, a liberal ultra-leftist, but not that far left of the norm for the Democrat Party, parachuting to say, you know, we need to take a hard look at our gun control laws. I felt like knocking on her door and saying, honey, do you know that Paris has stiffer gun laws than we do? You see, in the coming weeks, I'm going to expose a lot of things that you think are true, but aren't. They sound good, and they feel good. And you'll see a lot of people will quote the Bible. Isn't it interesting how the left likes to hold the Bible up and say at certain times, we've got to do this because the Bible tells us so. If we want to be good Christians, isn't it interesting that they don't want us to be Christians when we talk about the killing of babies by the millions every year? But they do want us to be Christians when they want us to go along silently and quietly. I won't go silently and I won't go quietly. How about you? Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.